welcome back to our series we're calling Messy. And uh, nothing in our lives is perfect or stays perfect. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now is very easy for all of us. And that is, I'm going to ask you right now to think about your biggest mess. Maybe your mess is a conflict at home and it is ugly. Uh, Maybe your mess is your marriage and you're angry. Uh, Maybe it's your job and you are stressed out. Maybe it's your finances and you're scared. Maybe it's a relationship at school or at work or someone in your extended family and it is broken and just think about it. Think about what your mess is that makes you feel anxious or worried or angry or discouraged. And now, with this mess in mind, what if I told you that there is a secret? There's a secret for going through the messiness of your negative circumstance without being messed up on the inside. What if I told you that there was a way to go through your stressful circumstance without getting all stressed out? What if I told you that there's a secret that will empower you through the messes that you go through in a way that gives you strength and contentment and confidence? There is such a secret, and it is revealed in God's Word in the Bible. So please turn your Bible or your device to Philippians chapter 4 and... uh, Uh, I want to thank Sasha Mack for doing this artwork uh, as we apply this passage. Uh, She's uh, applying it uh, with canvas and paint. And now on to Philippians, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Spirit. And he writes this in Philippians 4, starting at verse 11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I know I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. So did you notice Paul's secret? Paul says that he has learned the secret of being confident and content in the midst of negative circumstances. And lest you think that Paul is uh, a little bit like us and uh, kind of complains about little piddly, uh, little negative uh, circumstances in life, let me remind you about some of the negative circumstances that Paul experienced and has in mind when he talks about experiencing Christ's strength in the midst of it. Starting with the day of his decision to follow Jesus, Paul's life was a series of intense messes. Paul was misunderstood, mistreated, uh, criticized, beaten, jailed repeatedly, hated, bitten by snakes, and left for dead. Paul was tortured many times by professionals uh, trained to bring up maximum pain. He he had to submit to whippings that left his back ripped apart five times. Three times he was uh, knocked around unconscious by rods, by uh, special torturers who had rods, and he received numerous death threats. He was... uh, Actually, at one point, he had an angry mob uh, who threw Paul into a pit, and they pelted him with these large boulders until everyone around that pit was convinced that he was dead. 
but he wasn't. After wallowing in his blood and broken bones for a night, Paul limped away from that pit to face more threats, more imprisonments, more beatings. He was shipwrecked, not once, not twice, three times. And on one occasion, he drifted in the ocean for two days. Paul also suffered from an unspecified personal struggle he called his thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but maybe it was another physical pain. Uh, Maybe it was an emotional wound or some personal struggle. The point is that Paul is no stranger to suffering on every level. And so it is significant when Paul says that he has learned the secret of being calm and confident and content in the midst of the messiness of life. What is this secret? Well, Paul reveals the secret right here in this passage that we're studying. But before we talk about the secret, let me just point out one more theological truth that uh, comes out of Paul's suffering. Paul's suffering proves that good, God-pleasing Christ followers have messy, messy lives. Paul proves that you can be a Christ follower who is doing God's will and still have your life be this nonstop drama of mess after mess. I mean, let me just remind you that Paul was not getting beaten up because he owed drug money. Uh, It was because he was doing exactly what God was telling him to do. He was going to tell people about Jesus. And Paul's suffering proves that Christ followers are not spared from the messiness of life. Believers go through the same sufferings and struggles that unbelievers face. But according to God's word through Paul, even though believers and unbelievers go through the same messes in life, Christ followers have a secret that gives them the strength in the midst of negative circumstances, in the midst of messiness. If you're a Christ follower, you have this secret available to you to go through messes on the outside without getting messed up on the inside. What is the secret? The secret is Jesus. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter four. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or living in want. Now here comes the secret. I can do all these things through Christ. Who gives me strength? Jesus is the secret who empowers me to do all these things. What are all these things that Paul is uh, able to do through Christ? All these things refers to all kinds of circumstances. All these things refers to well-fed and hungry, plenty and want. I can do all these things. I can do all these circumstances and more in Christ who gives me strength. Jesus is the secret who empowers me to go through the messes of life without getting messed up. But it's really important right now to just distinguish between what Jesus does and does not do in this process. Jesus does not promise to take away my messes, but Jesus does promise to strengthen me through my messiness. But how? How does the Messiah strengthen me in my mess? Two ways. First, Jesus strengthens me through his indwelling Holy Spirit. Two, 
Jesus strengthens me through my Christ-centered beliefs. This is Paul's logic here in Philippians, but the truth is this is something that Paul says over and over again in his letters. For instance, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see that? This is Paul's explanation of how Jesus strengthens me in my messy world. Jesus strengthens me through his spirit and through my faith. Uh, The Messiah gives me strength in this messy world through the combination of Jesus' presence in my life and my faith in Jesus and his presence in my life. There is a classic example of how these two are absolutely necessary and come together. The disciples of Jesus are in a boat in a messy, messy storm in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus was not with them in the boat, but the waves were. And suddenly, one of the disciples looks through the wind and the, uh, and the rain, driving rain, and sees someone coming toward them and in their boat. And the disciple says, it's Jesus. And Jesus is walking on the water. Jesus walks on the water until he's a short distance from the boat. Now, just press pause at this scene, okay? And let's notice what Jesus does and what he does not do. First, notice that Jesus does bring his presence into the storm. He comes into the storm with his uh, followers. But then notice what Jesus does not do. Jesus does not stop the storm. And this is true for us. In most cases, Jesus does not still my storm or remove my mess. But instead, Jesus brings his presence into the midst of my mess to strengthen me through the storm. But back to the story. Peter shouts over the wind to Jesus and says, Jesus, call me to come out to you on the water. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and as long as he keeps his focus on Jesus, he is able to rise above the storm and walk on the water. But what happens? As soon as Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts his focus on the wind and the waves, he begins to sink into the mess. Notice that Jesus is still there. Jesus is still present. But in order for Peter to walk on water, there must be this combination of both Jesus' presence and the presence of Peter's faith in Jesus. When Peter began looking at the waves instead of Jesus, he began to sink. And the same is true for every follower of Jesus. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. Meaning, I can go through any negative circumstance. I can go through 
any storm in life when I am strengthened by both Jesus' indwelling spirit and my faith, my belief in Jesus. But I must have both. Peter proves that although Jesus strengthens me through his presence, I will still sink if I'm not also strengthened by my belief in him, in Jesus. But what does this mean? I mean, this can be a little vague, right? Believe in Jesus. Believe what? Well, let me start by listing three core beliefs. And then I'll try to explain how these Christ-centered beliefs are the secret to strength in the midst of the mess. The Messiah strengthens me in my mess through my Christ-centered beliefs. Belief number one is my belief that God is good. Belief number two, my belief that God loves me and has good plans for me. Now notice this one. Also, it's my belief that God works his good plan through his personal involvement in the details of my life. Together, these three beliefs make the difference between where, uh, the ability to rise above the storm and sinking into the waves of my mess. I had an experience last week that uh, kind of brings these uh, beliefs uh, together. Uh, one afternoon last week, I was on my laptop just responding to uh, emails when out of the blue, I got this very strong impression that I needed to check my phone. Unfortunately, my phone was not with me. It was in the car. But this impression became stronger and stronger that you need to check your phone. And uh, I went to the car, got the phone, and I had a voicemail. Listened to it. It was not very significant. Uh, but I still had this strong impression I was supposed to find something on my phone. And so I looked at the texts and, uh, again, Nothing, it was from you, nothing important. And uh, so, and so I, but I kept scrolling through and uh, I noticed that there was a, a thread, a thread of, uh, of a text and the thread ended uh, with this, uh, uh, this guy with us finalizing a, uh, a, a coffee appointment together. And it was, was a, a, this finalization of this meeting was something, I, a text I had never seen before. Uh, so uh, I looked at the text and sure enough, the coffee appointment was for that very day and the appointment was for 15 minutes from that moment. So I got in the car, went to the appointment and arrived exactly on time to have this appointment with this guy. And I won't give you details of our conversation, but I, what I will tell you is that this conversation with this man was very important to his physical and his spiritual well-being. Now, here is what I believe. I believe that this was God. I believe that God wanted me to have this meeting with this guy, and so he prompted me to find that text and respond to it, and he wouldn't stop prompting me until I found it. I believe that God is good. 
I believe that God loves me and has a good plan for my life. And I believe that God works his good plan through his personal involvement in the details of my life. I believe that God personally impressed upon me that I needed to look at my phone and then God kept pressing upon me until I found that text and saw that text that I don't think I ever saw. Now, you may say, now there's a perfectly good non-spiritual explanation for this coincidence. Uh, Probably you did see this text and it was in your subconscious and your brain told you at the exact right moment when to check your phone. And I say, you don't know my brain. It is not that good. and, 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 okay, maybe you have a tougher question. And you say, uh, Steve, how can you believe it was God who prompted you to remember that text when God doesn't remind you of everything else that you, uh, you need to know or have scheduled? Uh, and it's true. God doesn't remind me of every appointment that I'm supposed to rem- remember. In fact, there's some of you who are looking at me right now, and you're a little upset because... Uh, <laughs> You had an appointment for coffee with me, and I forgot. And you're saying, why didn't God remind you about the appointment that you had with me? And actually, I've been wondering about that. I've been wondering, why? Why is that? Why is that that God sometimes doesn't doesn't remind me of things that I need to remember? And God told me. God told me that the reason he didn't remind me about your appointment is because he's trying to teach you about forgiveness. That's why. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? He loves you so much. That's what I believe. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is involved in the details, the very small details of your life? Maybe you don't believe that God is involved on that level. That's okay. Everyone has a choice about what to believe in regard to this. I could choose. I could choose to believe in coincidences and luck and fate. But instead, I choose to operate under a set of Christ-centered beliefs. And according to Scripture, it is this combination of Jesus' presence in my life and my belief in him that empowers me to rise above the storm and not sink into the mess of the messiness of life. I've told some of you this before, uh, but a psychologist named Albert Ellis became famous for a formula that he called the ABCs of inner life, which teaches that what happens inside of me is the product of a formula, an A plus B equals C formula, where A stands for antecedent and C stands for consequence. And antecedent is just a triggering event. Um, An antecedent is what comes before and then leads to a specific internal emotional consequence. So for instance, the antecedent could be the messiness of an unfair attack from one of my extended family members upon my character. And the consequence in me could be waves of defensiveness and anger and bitterness. Another antecedent uh, could be the messiness of being told that my job is going away and that I'm going to be unemployed. And so the consequence in me could be waves of worry and anxiety and fear. But I say that the consequence could be waves of 
of fear and worry because it doesn't need to me. That's because uh, between the C consequence and the A antecedent, there is a B, where B stands for belief. That between every antecedent in life and every consequence inside my life, there is a B which stands for belief. What a person believes in, uh, determines the person's consequence, which means that if I believe that God loves me and that God is personally involved in the details of my life, that belief changes the consequences so that I don't need to worry or fear as a result of the antecedent. But I can actually have a calm and confidence and contentment. My beliefs in Jesus determine my life equation. Uh, one day in grade school, uh, Mrs. Carson gave little Johnny a math question. She said, Johnny, uh, if I gave you $5 and you asked your father for $5, how much would you have? And Johnny said, $5. And she said, no, listen, Johnny. If you have $5 and you're, you ask your father for $5, how many dollars would you have? And Johnny said, uh, $5. And the teacher said, well, Johnny, apparently you don't know your addition. And Johnny said, Mrs. Carson, apparently you don't know my father. <laughs> because Johnny knew his father. And because he knew his father was tight-fisted and cheap, he knew that the normal rules of math do not apply. Well, as a child of God, that same thing is true for me in the opposite direction. Because I have a heavenly father who is so loving and so generous, the normal rules of math do not apply. What I believe in Jesus changes the equation of my life. When a coworker hurts me or a friend betrays me, everyone expects that this antecedent will equal a consequence of, of revenge or bitterness or anger in me. But if I believe in Jesus and I keep my focus upon him, it changes the equation. And when people see that I don't seek revenge and I don't lash out, but I forgive and I patiently try to resolve conflict, people say, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. You shouldn't have this much strength and contentment. Uh, and I say, well, apparently you don't know my father. Uh, when you have a health problem, or a family pressure, or a, a financial strain, or emotional stress. Everyone expects these antecedents are going to equal fear, and insecurity, and discouragement in your life. But if you really believe in Jesus, and you keep your eyes focused on him, you can rise above the storm. And when people see that you don't lose sleep, you're not paralyzed in panic, but you can smile with confidence and courage. People say, wait, it doesn't add up. You shouldn't have so much strength and contentment. And you can say, well, apparently, you don't know my father. Well, you can go through the worst kinds of stresses in life. A loved one is lost in your life through death. Uh, you become a victim of someone's cruelty. You experience the deepest in pain. And yet, you are different. And the world sees that you have a strength in this mess that they can't explain. And you can say, well, apparently, you don't know my father. Let me share with you the secret whose name is Jesus. Brooke Minoni knows this secret, and here is her life story. I have four children. I have um, a son, Hunter, who just turned seven, a daughter, Emerson, who's five and a half, a son, Cash, who's three, and then we have a daughter, Everly, that would be two on December 20th, but she passed away and she's in heaven. 
Everly was diagnosed with a disorder called trisomy 18, which is defined as being incompatible with life. It's where there's an extra chromosome similar to Down syndrome. However, this particular disorder, um, the likelihood of a baby surviving is very, very small. The doctors were very strongly pushed us to terminate um, and in fact was telling me that 80% of marriages who um, go on to carry a baby like this to term and in divorce. I knew in my heart what I wanted to do, what the right thing was, but it was just very difficult when so many people were advising us to terminate. And I mean, this happened for many months throughout the pregnancy and because of her disorder, we had to um, go to Yale and doctor after doctor, you know, every visit they would say, you know, we can still talk about termination, it's not too late. To terminate and we changed practices and and that was definitely a God thing like he put us with the right doctor who was very supportive. We carried Everly, um, she was actually over a week late so she made it to 40, 41 weeks um, and change. It was a hard labor. My, um, my last two labors had only been five and six hours and she was a 26 hour labor so it was um, it was difficult and I think a lot of it was also emotional. It just felt like alone my god had left me and it was, was a struggle um, but then there were other ways that he kept showing up it was just it was tough during it and I do believe there were things that happened that because the labor was so long that um, where God showed up that it wouldn't have happened if it had been the short labor and that includes involving doctors and nurses that I believe were not believers and they were really touched by what they saw. We um, were told that a family at my son's school, um, they were not believers and that they accepted Christ into their life because of this situation, which even just for that, it was worth it. And she was stillborn, but she lived up until just before. Um, but when she came out and they put her on my chest, her hands were in a praying position. I just felt like that it was such a gift. And I tell my kids like, that we got to hold an angel before she went to heaven. And not many people get to do that. I am nine months pregnant and due in early January. I prayed about having another baby, but I felt like it wasn't as heartfelt as it had been in the beginning with my other kids. I felt I was sort of asking more because it's what I wanted. I did become pregnant. Uh, and sadly we had a miscarriage. I remember when I went in for the appointment and they didn't find a heartbeat. I just was really angry at God and um, just felt like I don't deserve this. I've been through so much. I kept praying that he would help me let it go and let it go to him. And I prayed the prayer, but I was not feeling it in my heart. I finally one day just felt this release like it was over. and. I just really gave it up to him and had peace about it and had peace about, I have my four kids, I have one in heaven and three here, and this is what I'm supposed to have. A few weeks later, felt really sick and thought I had a cold and um, come to find out I was pregnant. It was a, a, a big surprise. We'd given away all of our baby stuff, so it was such a, an awesome, amazing surprise. I've always just had such a heart for women that have struggled to get pregnant. I have many friends that have been through it. Now that I've actually experienced it myself, I know how painful, incredibly painful it is um, to want a child so bad. And you can't.
and just knowing that God wants us to have children and not understanding why. My faith was never tested until I had Everly. I've learned so much through this and I've changed so much for the better. This pregnancy has been probably the, hard, the hardest pregnancy um, just because I feel like I've been very anxious. Once you're faced with what can really happen in life, life, your normal is never really everybody else's normal anymore. Our kids have been very anxious about this pregnancy and at night when I go to tuck them in, the two oldest ones have cried many times about um, wondering if the baby's gonna be alive. But my bereavement counselor said that I really needed to for my kids start um, speaking words of faith and, and, and speaking confidently and it would also help me. So I took her advice and I started doing that and I saw a huge change in them, but it also, I, it was for me too just to speak out loud the promises that God has for us and being confident and knowing that He's a good God and He's gonna take care of us. Thank you, Brooke and Decker. <laughs> so uh, you were pregnant in the, uh, in the video and now you hold uh, Decker in your arms, your son who's healthy and <laughs> happy at six weeks. You're uh, six awesome. weeks old, and uh, uh, so this is the happy ending in your in your arms. But uh, this pregnancy too was uh, was a difficult chapter in your family's history. And just explain to me a little bit more of the uh, some of the emotions that uh, you were all feeling. Um, it was a happy ending, but this is not going to be a happy baby if I don't get him fed. So I'm going to pass okay. him off for a second. <laughs> we're comfortable with messes here <laughs> at. Uh, Black Rock. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. So yeah, because of what we went through with um, Everly, as I shared in the video, we our family was very anxious and fearful about what was what was going to happen. And I think when you've had an experience like that or something really messy happen in your life, it's hard to have faith and peace about the future. And also, as I shared, there were a number of times that I'd go in to tuck our kids in bed at night. And we'd say their prayers, and my son in particular had a lot of anger towards God, like, why did he take Everly? And, you know, they would cry and, and say, you know, if, if we have a girl, she's going to die. You know, just a lot of fears. And um, you were talking about God being in the details, and I, I know and I believe that God was in all the details along the way. And some of them I saw, and many of them I didn't until after the fact, um, but I know he was there. And and he put me in touch with a Christian therapist. And she told me that I really needed to speak the promises of God over this pregnancy and the baby to come, not just for my kids, but for me also. And so I would say things to them like, God is good, God has a good plan for our life. And I saw that immediately when I shared that with my kids, I could tell it took so much of that anxiety and fear away. And it also helped me to get back to trusting God again. Yeah, and so we have... We have such an opportunity to, uh, to teach our kids in the midst of our messes that we can't any other way. Well, what what uh, are some of the things that you've learned about Jesus' presence in the midst of, uh, of messes and how he strengthens you? Um, like I said before, you know, I just, I know he was in the details. There were so many people that I've met along the way through the pregnancy and after that um, God definitely planted in my life and I believe that he planted me in their life and we help strengthen each other through through the experiences that we've been through. Um, 
another thing I did, um, which I shared with you, is in my bathroom, I um, tape up Bible verses around the mirror because I feel like for me, um, and especially in this experience and, and when we're going through messy times in our life, that Satan really will attack your mind. So I would make myself in the morning, because I felt like that, that was the time that I got most attacked. I'd make myself read these Bible verses. And I have a statement that's up to that says, I trust you, God. And anytime I felt those negative messages entering into my my thought pattern, I would say, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God, out loud three times. And I they would vanish. Mm-hmm. And it might just be for a short period of time, but every time I did it, it it worked and it made a difference. And um, when I said it at the time, I found it very, very hard to believe. Um, But looking back, because I spoke those words and all those promises, it got me back to trusting him and to being at peace. That's great. So I understand that uh, uh, this whole experience has given you a whole new glimpse of heaven. Um, Explain that a little bit. Um, I'm obviously even more eager to get there and believe that I'm going to see my daughter and my other child. Um, It's been nice to see how my kids interpret heaven, and I believe that God has spoken through them to me to give me comfort. And um, just, you know, little things they say, too, like they were really concerned if Everly had a pillow in heaven Mm -hmm. or if she was going to have toys to play with. And my son has asked me if they're going to be Legos in heaven. (laughs) And... um, you know, I always ask them, I'm like, do you think that's what would make her happy? Or is that what's going to make you happy? And if they say yes, I said, God's promises we're going to be happy in heaven. And if that's what it takes, you're going to have that. Mm-hmm. And then um, another time I was volunteering at my son's school and we were on the swing set and he was swinging next to a little girl and she was expressing she was really sad because her grandmother had just passed away. And my son said, oh, don't worry. She's going to be in heaven with Everly and they're together. And then it made the little girl feel so much better. And I just, for me, it's... It was a really hard experience, and we had to think about that before putting our children through it. But I'm so glad that they've experienced one of life's toughest challenges and that they know about it and that they also are going to be able to comfort people and be the details Mm -hmm. in people's lives. I think your story puts together so well uh, this whole um, theme of the fact that the the Messiah is in our midst, that Jesus is in the center of our messes. And uh, it's hard, uh, but... In the, in the hard times, there are still uh, opportunities for us to see him in, in deeper and greater ways. And uh, thank you for sharing again with us uh, just how Jesus is making a difference in, uh, in your life. And I think it's an encouragement to all of us. Let's thank Brooke and Dave again for sharing this story with us. Thank you. Would you please stand? And uh, Brooke is going to be available here in the front if you'd like to just spend a a moment with her. She'd love to maybe say a word of prayer with you. And uh, also the rest of our prayer team is up here ready to support you. And uh, and just, I don't know what mess you're in today, but I do know the Messiah. And I know he's the secret. He's the secret to the strength in the midst of your mess. And so let's pray to him now. Jesus, thank you uh, for... uh, who you are and for how you enter into the storm. Uh, And as long as we uh, keep our focus on you, you allow us to rise above the storm. And so I pray that as we uh, live this belief in you, that you would make us uh, so different that people want to know how this equation works and we'll get an opportunity to tell them about you, our good father. And we pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.